Well, thank you guys. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here with you guys. Uh, as Pastor Paul said, we talk on the phone often, and when we can, we meet up for a coffee or a lunch. Um, and I just want to say, you have an amazing pastor. Uh, pastor Paul and Kelly, they are just some amazing people that should be cherished. And uh, I know like October is like Pastor Appreciation Month, but I can appreciate them in November. I think that's okay, right? You know, it's, it's a season of being thankful, and uh, I am so thankful for uh, just even Pastor Paul in my life, just at that kind of relationship where you can be real, you can share life, you can put courage in each other and cheer each other on in the calling that God has on our lives. And so it's an honor for me to be here. Some of you may be going, why does he look a little bit familiar, right? I have been here before for a team night, but also some of you have been to my church uh, for Freedom Conference, if you've been a part of Freedom Groups. And so uh, I love the connection that, that we get to have being a part of the kingdom of God and get to do this together. Now, I don't know if you're a note taker or not, but if you're not, let today be a day that you start taking some notes. Uh, because I believe God wants to deliver a word into your heart. And oftentimes with me, if I don't write it down, I forget it. And something the Lord's really been convicting me about lately is that he shouldn't have to repeat himself when he says something to me. And so I encourage you, find a way, whether it's your phone or a piece of paper, to, to write some things down today as the Lord speaks to you. You know, there's, there's some things that break my heart as a person, as a pastor, as just a child of God. One of those is that there are people in this world that don't know Jesus, right? It, there are people in this world that are living far from Him, and, and I pass by a lot of them on a, on a daily basis. Sometimes I'm unaware, and it breaks my heart. And at the same time, it breaks my heart that there are people who know Jesus, but are grasping for purpose. And they feel lost, and they feel like, where, where is the meaning, where is the significance in this life that I'm living in? And I, I know Jesus, but I feel like there's something that I'm missing out on. But I think that as children of God, we should understand that purpose is right there in front of us. Because it's in a relationship with Jesus that we find the most significant purpose in our lives. Like you can't become like Jesus, which is our destiny as believers. As when you step into a relationship with Jesus, you just become like Jesus. And you can't become like Jesus and live a life devoid of purpose. And so... As we navigate this life and as we wrestle with meaning, as we wrestle with significance, we should wrestle with who Jesus is and who he's reflected in us. You know, Jesus is, is beautiful, isn't he? Like, he's, he's amazing. Like, there's so much about Jesus that you have to love, even when you just go back into history and what we get to read about him in the Gospels. Like, everywhere he went, like... Things changed, right? With him, he brought a power that people were just not used to, right? That when, when he showed up, all of a sudden, what was on the list of possible changed. Because it was like, oh, Jesus is here. 
I used to have to just think that I would be blind forever, but Jesus is here, and there's a power that showed up with him. But also, it wasn't just a power. Like, I mean, he just he would change the atmosphere of a room, right? People were just drawn to him, and not just the people you would think, right? You'd think like super religious people would be attracted to Jesus because he's God, right? But when you read closely through the Gospels, you find that oftentimes it was the religious people standing in the back of the room watching, and the sinners and the tax collectors were on the front row, and they were leaning in. There was something about Jesus and and His character and His quality and the way He carried Himself that just drew people in, and they were like, I've got to be close to Him I have, to, I have to be close to I have to hear everything that he has to say. And then the, the great thing about Jesus was is people would show up thinking, like, I'm just going to learn a cool parable today. Like Jesus is going to tell some story. I wonder if he's going to tell the story about you know, a farmer sowing seed today or not. And they would show up thinking they were just going to learn something, and then they would have their life completely transformed. They would experience freedom. And all of a sudden, the more people encountered Jesus, the more they realized that they had access to God Almighty. And it wasn't just some select spiritual elite. But Jesus was bringing heaven to earth and people could encounter God. Like, Jesus is amazing. And then this crazy thing is supposed to be happening in our lives. We're supposed to become like Him. We're supposed to become like Him. And, and, and there's such a, a, a crazy thing to wrap your head around. I mean, Jesus did all these things, and then not only did He live a life like that, but He went to the cross, and He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried in a grave. He rose from the grave, by the way. Never met anybody else who did that, Right? He rose from the grave, and then he said, I'm going to go to heaven and prepare a place for you. Now, my question for you today is this. Did God only intend for humanity to experience those things when Jesus was on earth 2,000 years ago? Was that it? Was was Jesus like, here, I I want you to experience these these elements of heaven, and then now I'm going to go away and prepare a place, and you just got to live in a time and a space where you just have to wait. And now there's a part of it, there there is a waiting, right? And and there's some old songs that are are beautiful where we sing about that, that, that glory that awaits us in heaven. But I just have to wonder, like, what is God's plan for right now? When, when I read the news, I'm going, man, it, we, we could really use a little bit of heaven right now. Right? I, and that, I don't even have to read like global news. I can just read local news. I'm just like, we need a little bit of heaven. And when I hear stories that come out of the school system, I'm going, I think our schools just need a little bit of heaven. Right? Sometimes when I just... See people's lives at home. I go, man, we just need a little bit of heaven. Sometimes I go to other churches and I'm like, that church needs a little bit of heaven. <laughs> not you, not you, not you, not you. But 
I see this need, and I just have this question. What is God's plan for right now? We, we see clearly what God's plan was for when Jesus walked the earth. What is His plan for right now? The beauty of that question is, is that it has an answer. The Apostle Paul answers it in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 when he says this, Now He uses us. And before I read any further, I just want that to sink in for a second. Like that prayer, God, I, I want a little bit of heaven in our world. And I want a little bit of heaven in our schools. I want a little bit of, of heaven in our city. I want a little bit of heaven in our home. God, could you transform the culture of our community? And he goes, yes, I will. And you know what my plan is? I want to use you. I want to use you. I want to use you in the same manner in which I use Jesus because I'm calling you to be like Jesus, to be an ambassador, to be a representative, to bring a little bit of heaven here on earth. He says, now, now he uses us. And he says a little bit further, he goes, now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are like a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God, but this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. Last year, I remember my my youngest, I have three kids. I have an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 14-year-old. So a senior, a junior, and a freshman in high school. So pray for me. Um, and if you're just, you feel like the Lord wants you to help pay for my kids' college, that is a big prayer of mine right now. But my, my son, last year in eighth grade, which you, you know, the Lord's got a special grace for eighth grade boys. It, it, there's a, that's... There's this category of people that just eighth grade boys fall into and they're just unique and they're, they're on their own. They stand out. Well, I remember last year, uh, the school had a, a dance, this fall dance. And, and it's interesting because seventh grade boys and eighth grade boys are drastically different and they smell drastically different because seventh grade boys aren't aware of their aroma. But eighth grade boys, they've discovered something, right? And if you've ever had an eighth grade boy, you know that like they don't just like like the the application of cologne is is a process. And if you've ever been nearby when the bathroom door opens up, the smell comes out and it singes your eyebrows off. Your eyes water a little bit. Now imagine with me the scenario that happened when you pack a minivan full of 8th grade boys and take them to a dance. You pull up to the dance and, and you hit the button and the sliding door opens up and boom, the smell, it just 
hits everybody before a single boy can step out of the van. People know what is coming. Like that is a van full of eighth grade boys. I've discovered that eighth grade boys have now realized that there are eighth grade girls. And it changes things. And, and they want to make sure there's a sense that goes out that lets people know that they're coming. Paul says that now, now, 2022, some of you, you're about the back row, you're starting to get the smell of that, aren't you? That axe effect. But, but now, in 2022, he uses us like a sweet perfume. That when people encounter us, they're going, oh, I, I know what's coming next. I, I'm about to encounter the living God. Because I'm encountering this person who's in relationship with Jesus, I know I'm about to encounter Jesus. Now he uses us like a sweet perfume that rises up to God, which means that sometimes that perfume is just pleasing to him and nobody in our world likes it. And that's okay. Because he said some perceive it differently, those who are being saved and those who are perishing. But nonetheless, this is the identity that we are meant to bear. And we're supposed to take these elements of heaven and clothe ourselves in them. This is why Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples to pray, right in the middle of that prayer, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6.10, he says this phrase, he says, pray like this, he says, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what he intended when we pray that prayer is for us to see ourselves as part of that answer. That the Holy Spirit moving through our lives would have an effect on other people's lives so much so that they would experience a little bit of heaven here on earth. See, because sometimes I think that we are thinking that everyone has to wait till death to experience any bit of heaven. But it was the death of Jesus Christ on the cross that brought heaven and made it available here on earth. That gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit as a deposit of things to come. So I want to talk for a few minutes about some of these ingredients, some of these aspects of heaven. That when we pray, your kingdom come, what does it look like? In our lives, in a practical sense. Because heaven's powerful. Heaven is a beautiful place and we're completely free in heaven. So when it comes to the power of heaven, Jesus walked with a power. How do we walk in that same power? Well, the Bible tells us that spiritual gifts allow people to experience the power of heaven. Spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are natural abilities that the Lord redeems for a spiritual purpose, but they're also supernatural abilities that the Lord gives to you through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is why Jesus told the disciples in Acts 1.8, He said, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said, you will receive power. In fact, he told them, like, wait in the upper room until you get this. Like, don't even go out and do anything until you have this power. I don't want you functioning in your own strength, in your own knowledge, in your own abilities. I want you clothed with power. I want you clothed with power. So what are some spiritual gifts? Because that sounds super spiritual. Some of you are like, that's a little too spiritual for me. Well, Paul explains spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. He says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Now think about that for a moment. Aren't we all just grasping for a little bit of wisdom from time to time? Some of you right now are going, How do I navigate the state of our economy right now. Did you know God has some wisdom for that? Wouldn't it be nice to either for you to have the gift of wisdom or to, to sit down over coffee with someone who had a gift of wisdom to allow you to know and see things that you wouldn't have known on your own? He says that there, to another there's uh, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Not a, not a faith that gets you saved, but a, a faith that you have after having a relationship with Jesus. I don't know about you, the longer I live, the, the more I know that there's some situations that I just need a little more faith to step into them. He says, to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy, the ability to declare God's truth into situations to another distinguishing between spirits to be able to discern like situations that are trustworthy and situations that are not to discern when people are telling you the truth and when they are not to discern the kinds of things to say yes to and the kind of things to say no to he said to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of tongues all these are the work of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So we have to understand that part of bringing heaven to earth is by design given to us through the Holy Spirit and it shows up in spiritual gifts being present in our lives. So my prayer for me is God move through me. Holy Spirit Fill me. Now some of you are, are new to the faith and your prayer should be, Lord, I eagerly desire your spiritual gifts. This is what the Bible tells us to do, to eagerly desire spiritual Holy Spirit, fill me. Some of you may have been walking with the Lord for years and maybe your prayer is something like mine. Lord, I don't want to just depend on stories of old where the gifts move through me in years gone by. But fill me afresh and anew today. Because there's people in my life. There's people in my life that need heaven on earth. There's people in my life that need wisdom. There's people in my life that need encouragement. There's people in my life that need truth spoken into their lives and their circumstances. There's people in my life that need healing. 
There's people in my life that need everything that you have. And I just, if I'm going to be close to them, I don't want them to go without. See, spiritual gifts close the gap between our earthly deficiencies, what we can't do, and what God's design is for heaven, everything that he can do. But let's talk a little bit about the atmosphere of heaven. You ever walked into a room and instantly you could just like tell the mood? Right, you're like you walk into a room, you're like, "Wow, there's a lot of fun. This is like this is a party. I want to hang out here. I want to get to know some people here." And then sometimes you walk into a room and you're like, "This is mo- mostly what happens when you are married and you have young children, and one of you comes home from work and the other one's been at home with the kids all day, and you walk in the door and you're like, "Who made mom mad?" Right, you know, like. Who did what to dad, right? And, and we walk in, we can instantly tell uh, the atmosphere. What's the atmosphere of heaven? Now, some of you, unfortunately, the atmosphere of heaven has been shaped by images of little babies, little fat babies on clouds. That is not what heaven is like, because I can tell you this. I do not want to be changing little baby diapers in heaven. Somebody said, come on. Yeah, let's preach it. Let's preach it. We need an accurate picture. Like the atmosphere of heaven is a place of joy. It is a place of love. It is a place of hope. It is a place of freedom. Like There's an atmosphere that's there. When Jesus walked into a room, he brought the atmosphere of heaven with him. When we walk into a room, when we go to work, when we go home, when we go to school, wherever we go, there should be an atmosphere of heaven that goes with us. How do we do that? It's through demonstrations of love that allow people to experience the atmosphere of heaven. Demonstrations of love. When you show love to one another, it allows them to feel and experience what heaven is like. It's so interesting, after Paul describes spiritual gifts and how amazing they are, He then follows up in chapter 12, verse 31. He goes, but I will show you the most excellent way. Like spiritual gifts, they're great. They're amazing. But I want to show you something that's most excellent. And he goes on, and in verse 4 he says, it's love. You know what love's like? Love is patient. And love is kind. And before I read that any further, some of you, you're getting flashbacks to your wedding ceremony. When Paul is describing love here, he's not describing love that's supposed to be recited in a, in a matrimony, in a wedding ceremony. He's talking about the kind of love that we're supposed to have with our co-workers. He's talking about the kind of love that we're supposed to have with the guy who never cuts his grass in our neighborhood, Right? Or it's the kind of love for your husband because he's the guy who never cuts the grass in your neighborhood. He's talking about the kind of love that we're supposed to display for one another. And the interesting thing about love is this, is spiritual gifts, the Holy Spirit gives us these gifts and moves through us, but they are for this lifetime. When we get to heaven, we don't need the gift of healing anymore because everyone's healed. Right? Like all these spiritual gifts are a gift for this earthly season, but love lasts forever. 
When you demonstrate a heavenly, godly kind of love to someone, you are giving them the atmosphere of heaven and they get to experience it now and they get to experience it for all of eternity as well. It's something beautiful. Now let me think through this with you. Love is patient. Now I know some of you, you made the mistake of praying for patience before. And it really wasn't a mistake. You know, some of you, you're going, yeah, I prayed for patience, and then all of a sudden, I get in heavy traffic every day. When I go to the grocery store, I always get the longest line, even though I had the less people at the beginning. We know. We do the math. We, 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 we get our shopping cart. We're approaching the checkout. We're scanning the aisles. We're, we're checking the speed of this cashier versus this cashier. We're calculating. Wait a second. They got 30 items in the 15 items or less thing. Like, do I bring that up? You know, we're, we're doing all of that. But what if we just intentionally just said, I'm going to pick the longest line on purpose because I want to practice patience. But love is patient. Love is kind. It's kind. What if... What if we just became known just for that? Like, that filter alone would be so countercultural that it would stand out. It doesn't envy and it doesn't boast, so we should probably all shut down our social medias because that's about all they're good for is envying the vacation that that person went on and boasting about the meal that we just ate. It's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. Imagine, imagine if we became people that were like this. We were not self-seeking. We weren't easily angered and we kept no record of wrongs. How are we supposed to cancel people in culture if we don't keep records of wrongs? And we don't delight in evil, but we rejoice in the truth. We always protect and we always trust. We always hope. We always persevere because love never fails. Like that is so countercultural that it would stand out and people would experience it. And it would be like a sweet perfume. This room is going to smell amazing at the end of the day. While spiritual gifts are powerful and effective, they'll cease when we enter into heaven. Love's the only thing you can give to someone that they can keep for eternity. But hurry is the enemy of love. And you have to slow down. Slow down and practice loving people so they can experience the atmosphere of heaven. You know, freedom is... Is something that Jesus' life was marked by. Bringing freedom to people's lives. Right? They, they came for the teaching, but they walked away free. And, and we experience complete freedom when we step into heaven. How do we bring freedom into people's lives here on earth? What, what I've seen and experienced is through meaningful relationships. See, it's meaningful relationships allow people to experience the freedom of heaven. What do I mean by that? I I've often see the Holy Spirit working through one another to bring healing and hope to one another. 
This is why James even says, like, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Right? I, I found that it's so easy to walk through life like with a mask on. And to some degree, like we should, to a, a little bit of degree, have a, a, a personality or a part of us that's like everybody can know this part of me. Like sometimes, I don't know if it's just the pastor vibe that I have, but I meet some people in the first 30 seconds, they overshare. But maybe you've met those people too. Right? Like, I'm just in a gas station in a city I don't live in, and I'm just trying to buy a pack of gum. But I know your whole family's history and everything that's wrong in your life right now. Right? So there's an aspect of, like, society where, yeah, maybe, maybe a mask isn't horrible. Right? But it's horrible if you wear it all the time. Because God doesn't want to minister to your mask. And so you... You have to develop meaningful relationships where you pull the mask back and you allow people to see who you really are. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit's able to come in and bring freedom. He's able to touch on the areas of our life that we've carried with us maybe for far too long. God wants to bring freedom into our lives. It says this in Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised it is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. If you break apart that word encourage, it means simply to put courage in. And Putting courage in one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So we see the day that we step into eternity for good. We see the day that the heaven is approaching. And all the more that we see that that's coming close, we have to start bringing people into our lives, not neglecting the gathering together. Now that, that verse applies to gatherings like this. Sunday should be a priority. This should be a priority. But so should being in a group. So should grabbing coffee with a friend. I've seen that it's most healthy when you can have two to three meaningful relationships in your life. Some people, they have a thousand Facebook friends and they don't have one meaningful friend. For some of you, maybe your next step is pursuing those types of relationships. If you could only have three, I would pick someone that could pour into you. I would pick someone that you can just share anything and everything with alongside. And I would look for someone that you can invest in. And you may go, I'm not anybody that's worth pouring into anyone else. I think Jesus would think otherwise. You know, maybe you're like a, a person that you could have 30, 30 close friends. I'm like a Lego with three little connectors on it. That's me. But we have to cultivate those meaningful relationships because in it, the Holy Spirit will move, the spiritual gifts will move, the love will have a place to belong, and we'll, we'll be able to connect. Some of you just need to invite some people over to your house. 
And some of you are going, my house is too dirty. Then clean your house. We have people over at our house all the time simply because it makes us clean our house. I remember one time my son came to me and he's like, who's coming over? I said, nobody. He goes, why are we cleaning? I said, can we not just have a clean house for ourselves? But let's start doing life with one another because life change doesn't happen just with more information, but it happens with a relational investment in ourselves and in others. The final thing I want to talk about is our access to heaven. See, when Jesus was here on earth, people could clearly see the access that they had to heaven through him. But I think sometimes we get a little confused about what we think is going to point people to Jesus. I know sometimes in my own life I think that I don't think this way, but sometimes I've had to learn to correct it in my own life that, that maybe a little bit of guilt and shame will make my kids behave a little bit better. I'm just being honest. Like, If you're a parent, you're probably like, ooh, I've probably done that too. And so I want to ask you this question. Like, If you could fill in the blank of what allows people to experience access to heaven, what would you fill in that blank with? Would would it be the shaming people into heaven? Would Would it be just a bunch of good behavior that got people into heaven? See, there's one thing that the Bible is really clear about, and that it's God's grace that allows people to experience access to heaven. God's grace. Now, for some of you who don't have a relationship with Jesus, you need to understand that it's God's grace that puts you in right standing with God. And some of you have been walking with Jesus for a while. You need to understand this, that you should never graduate from God's grace being active in your life. If God's grace was just something that started a relationship with Him, but it's not something that's made new, His mercies are supposed to be new every morning, then I would say, God, show me Your grace. Show me Your faithfulness. Let me be fully aware of the way that You are loving me. See, the beauty of who Jesus is, is that He didn't just love us on our best day. Women, he didn't just love you on the day that you went and had your hair done, right? Men, he didn't, he didn't just love you on the day that you, you got your best outfit, the one that slimmed you up a little bit, right? He loved you on your worst day, the day that you hope no one ever finds out about, that you wish was always a secret. Romans says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His grace is amazing. And His grace gives us access to heaven. And if it's His grace that gets us to heaven, then why don't we give more of it to others? What if we just surprised people with an amazing grace? 
Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6 says, Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of, and what's that word? Grace. Grace. Seasoned with salt. I don't know if you've ever seen that guy on social media that... Don't do this while you're talking to people. But let every conversation be seasoned with grace so that you may know how to answer everyone. Because here's the thing. God has strategically placed you near to people who are far from Him. You are near to people who are far from God. They may work with you. They may live down the street from you. They may be in your own home or in your family tree. But God has strategically placed you near to people who are far from Him. So let's start this journey to helping them know God personally. I want to close with this. A challenge. Because you can have all of the ingredients in the kitchen, but unless you mix them together and put them in a pan, you didn't make anything. And so we can know, we, we can just, oh, oh I, you know what? I need spiritual gifts so that, so that people can experience the power of heaven. I need to love people so they can experience the atmosphere of heaven. You know, I, I need to allow people to see God's grace so they get access to heaven. You know, I need, I need meaningful relationships so freedom can be experienced. I, I got all the ingredients and I know it, right? But a recipe card isn't just what's needed you got to use it. So let me challenge you with this. First, accept the personal responsibility. Accept the personal responsibility that there are people close to you that are far from God. And that now, now, God's plan is to use me and to use you. Like a sweet perfume. Don't worry, I'm not going to spray it again. Because some of you in the back row, you're like, I'm having trouble breathing. Right? But he wants to use us now like a sweet perfume. So accept the personal responsibility. Secondly, build a personal relationship. That person that drives you crazy? Yep. Figure out how to build a relationship with them. I don't know if some of you, you live in an HOA and you're reporting somebody to the HOA, that's the person you need to become friends with next. Build a personal relationship. Is it a family member that you just need to start leaning in and just developing a relationship? Cultivating that. A co-worker, a fellow student. Build a personal relationship with them. Relationship's a powerful tool to open the door for people to see the way God's impacted your life and the way in which God is real in your life. Third, share your personal story. You may go, I don't really have a great story. I don't have one of those dramatic stories. The good thing is, is that Jesus just asked us to be witnesses. You know what a witness does? They just tell what they saw from where they were standing. And it just so happens that God has put you near to people that are far from Him so that you can just tell what you've seen from where you're standing. And it's probably the very thing that they need to see from where they're standing.
Share your story, because you know what? People will try to argue with you about facts. It's hard for them to argue with you about your story. Share your personal story, and finally give a personal invitation. And what I mean by that is, make sure you lead people into a relationship with Jesus. In all the relationships we cultivate, in all the ways that we love those in our lives, and in, in the way that we serve people, and the way the Holy Spirit moves through us, at the end of the day, the greatest thing that we give people is access to heaven, a relationship with Jesus. And you go, I don't know, I, it's going to take enough courage for me to just share my story with somebody. I don't know if I can be like, now close your eyes and repeat a prayer after me. One, I believe you can do it. Because I know that the Holy Spirit can give you strength. Two, I know that there just happens to be a place in New Albany where at 9.30 and 11 o'clock every Sunday, there's a place where there's people filled with the Spirit of God that show the love of God and build meaningful relationships. And I just know that if you just happen to build a relationship with someone and bring them here, this family will help bridge that gap and bring that invitation. I wonder if the Lord would just bring even a name or two to your mind that between now and the end of the year that you go, God, help me show your love. If you can move through me in any supernatural way in that relationship, do it. God, let me, let me cultivate a relationship. Let me share my story. And let me even invite them to be in this place. I wonder whose life could be changed if we did that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? God, I thank you for your presence I thank you for your love and your faithfulness to us. I thank you for the truth of your word that challenges us. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit that comforts us and, and empowers us. I pray that right now in this room and for those that are watching online, that you would just show us our next step. God, what is our next step? Who in our lives do we need to lean into? How do we need to represent you well in this world? God, and I just pray for anyone within the sound of my voice that is not in relationship with you. I pray that in this moment they would make a decision to surrender fully to you. And if that's you, I want you to just pray a prayer in your own head, in your own words, right where you are, something like this. Jesus, I give you my life. I don't know everything there is to know, but I know enough to know that you love me, that you died on a cross for my sins, and because of that, I am forgiven. And I have the ability to have a restored relationship with you. Something that I was always created for. And I want it. I desire it. And I commit the rest of my life to following you. Thank you for 
saving me. Thank you for loving me. I choose to love you back and live for you. I leave my sin behind. I leave all guilt and shame associated with it behind. And I look forward to my future with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.